0: It is that wonderful time where we get an extra hour every day, and it takes us two hours. (laughs) It's like, ah, what are we doing? It's 10 till. All right, we are in Job chapter 4 and 5 today, and we're going to, there's what 42 chapters in Job, and we're not going to take 42 weeks to go through it, so we're going to start looking at some kind of maybe a little bit more general, some of the, the basic ideas of, of what's going on in, in Job's life and in this conversation as uh, we started with Job's opening last week. And, uh, and uh, so Eliphaz, uh, I, I kind of assumed, did uh, you uh, turn me off there? Okay. Um, that maybe Eliphaz is the oldest... In, in all of the cycles, he goes first. And that was kind of like, even at the end, we see Elihu, he's, uh, he approaches them as a younger man, and he's held his silence until he couldn't hold it no more. Um, and he's like, now we've got to say some stuff. <laughs> so, um, so I think Eliphaz is probably the oldest, maybe Bildad is the second, and then Zophar, who doesn't even get the, he doesn't even get his final little bit uh, before Elihu interrupts them. So in, in Job, we're, gonna, we're not going to read the whole thing, um, but we're, we'll read it as we go. So we're going to uh, start in verse uh, 1 through 6 of chapter 4. He says, Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If anyone attempts a word with you, won't you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Surely you've instructed many, you've strengthened weak hands. Your words have upheld him, Who is stumbling and you've strengthened the feeble knees. Um, See if this page will turn. Um, But now it comes upon you, you're weary. It touches you, you're troubled. Is not your reverence your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? So let's stop right there. And uh, what is the tone of Eliphaz's opening? What would you say is his tone? He's almost testing the waters to see how Job is going to react. Okay, he's he's very tentative. Okay, that's the first thing I notice. He's very tentative. Um, so how do you read verse 2? This is, if, if anyone attempts a word with you, will you become weary? Uh, Impatient, yeah. Okay, um, who can withhold himself from speaking? So, in other words, so they've been with him a week. Uh, then that's when Job gave his little soliloquy, and now he's going to answer. Now he's he's like, okay, you've said your thing. do. Can we can we respond to that? You know, we've been with you. We, I, I don't. We, I, you know, it, it's hard to judge tone of voice. You know, in in writing even today, when we're in the same culture, to, to look at you know thousands of years old male and to judge tone of voice is very difficult. I do try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I, I think at the beginning, at the least, it was very from a friendly nature because we saw last week how he was willing to, they were, they were willing to come and travel and be with them. So I think maybe as they go, they get a little bit more obstinate maybe, and, and their attitudes start to change. Uh, But I think at the beginning, um, I I don't think he's being overly critical at this point. I think he's, can we talk? I I do have things I'd like to share and you've, you've almost invited it, but I don't know if you're just speaking rhetorically or if this is a conversation you want to have, you know, Uh, because we'll answer, you've asked some questions and things like that. Can we answer? Are you going to... You know, you're a person, you're, you're, he's, he's in struggling with this pain. Like, are you going to be able to handle a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the way, um, you know, I, I interpret it like, you know, you've had some time to think, um, about things. Obviously he's working through thoughts. He you want a little advice? <laughs> um, what does, what did, did I hear someone? Okay, so that's the next thing I know. Yes, yeah, so he's gonna move into what he has to say, but he is very complimentary, isn't he? What, what does he say about Job? Job has helped lots of other people. Okay, so, is, and that's this, how has Job helped a lot of people? He, almost all of what he says is focused on one thing Okay. His, the way he speaks, okay, um, he's, there's more than that, but but that seems to be the focus of what he's done. Your words have strengthened the feeble knees and all those things and lifted up people. And, and He's recognized as a wise teacher, right? And I, I think that's why they're willing, or, or they think it's within bounds to start talking with him on the basis of advice and is because he's recognized as a teacher. Um, so what else do we learn about Job? Even within what we've, what we've read. He's a teacher. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into um, we're gonna get into his his uh, almost a, a a very slight uh, implication of hypocrisy. It's easy to say things until it comes to touch you. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so there's that kind of a feeling of hypocrisy uh, that they it might look like that to them. Um, I think before we even get to that, there are there's more compliments of his character. I think he's uh, the the fact that this rich man was would even associate with fee- people of feeble need, the, to be so benevolent, to to stoop to what we would think of levels ben- well beneath him and not feel a thing. You know, he didn't just be a wise teacher for college students of you know erudite background. He was willing to. Um, uh, to associate with them and, and try to help them in their difficulties. Um, so, and then, um, and again, primarily with speech, but probably benevolent as well. Um, and and so Eliphaz is going to get into his advice, but he's appeal. He then makes an appeal to two characters of Job. What characteristics? Okay, so reverence, your, your fear, godly fear. Um I was like, listen, you've always been reverent. And, and can you see, look back to the speech that Job just gave. Now, we read what? What did Job not do? Never he never cursed God. But from Eliphaz's perspective, can you see how it might feel like he's starting to get close to the line? You, your reverence, your reverence, all all this reverence. Now you're starting to talk about how unfair things are almost. You better be careful because you're going to go over. So I don't necessarily think he's being rude. I think he's concerned for for, uh, Job's character and then Job's integrity. And this is where we're going to get into that hypocrisy. Listen, (laughs) integrity means it goes both ways. Um, And so you're going to need to to make sure that you're consistent with all these things that you've been teaching. So uh, we're going to look at um, the next uh, section here Uh, in chapter four. We're going to look at um, some different – Eliphaz is going to build his case. And so the next – he's going to appeal – uh, make his appeal from three types of authority. We're going to, verse 7, and I'm going to read through, um, let's see. Well, We'll look at the, uh, verse 7 through 11 first. He says, remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off, Even as I have seen, those who uh, plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and the breath of his anger they are consumed, and the roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old perishes for lack of prey, and the clubs, the cubs of the lioness are scattered. Let's stop right there. And what appeal is this? He appeals to something. And this is kind of hidden, maybe a little bit. Look at that first verse seven. What, who, he uses what important word? Okay. He says, he says, remember, right? What's he doing when he says, remember, what's he appealing to? History. Possibly history. I think he's quoting Job because he's just gone through this whole thing and talked about how wonderful a teacher Job is. Remember all these words. And then the next thing is, remember? Whoever perished having been innocent. In other words, and, and you look back, he says, it comes upon you when you're weary. It touches you. Well, you don't have the patience for it. He's. I think these are words that Job used for people in suffering, to try to help them deal with things, and probably the vast majority of the time it was true. But we're looking at that thing we call extrapolation, where it's universally true. Um, And uh, I I think his first appeal is to Job's own sentence, his own like you've you've kind of. Judged yourself in these things. Um, And that's where that accusation of hypocrisy comes into play. I should read this as him giving him hope. The verse kind of talks about, you know, your pity is your confidence and your blameless ways should give you hope. And then here, he's kind of telling them, he's, you know, if he's innocent and he's been blameless ways, he should have hope to make it through this. And kind of saying here that, you know, it's the trouble through it, it's just going it to endure trouble. Yeah, I I don't like like I said, I don't think he's got wrong motives at this point. I don't I don't think any of these men I, I think this is an open and honest conversation at this point. I think they're genuinely trying to work with Job. We approach this kind of from I think the conclusion of the whole matter when we hear Elihu come to him and kind of rip into the them, you know, at after I don't know how many months or weeks or years that this series of conversations has taken place, uh, we kind of judge them, I think, on the verdict uh, and, and people evolve over time. And, and if you make a statement and then somebody else opposes it, you kind of get crystallized in, in your opinion. And you kind of go out. It's like two kids on the, on the seesaw. Right? If you want to get leverage, you kind of go further out from each other. And you're like, oh, I'm going to stake my claim. And then this person goes out. And then you know. And I think that's what happens over this the the period of this uh, conversation. But I think they're starting pretty close together, and, and they're trying to work with Joe. Um, so again, I don't I don't read any in, improper motives, at least at this point. Um, now, um, in verse 8, he gives another type of a uh, evidence. What's his, his next piece of evidence? Okay. Okay. Then you must have done something. Okay. So, so, so we're, it's it's logic. He's using logic, right? And these are things that they've accepted. And in verse, uh, verse eight, he says, "Even as I have seen." So now we move on to my observation, right? So he's like, "Your words are seeming to go with what I generally observe." right? I'm, I'm building. He's building a case for everything he's going to say, and accuse, if you want to use that word, or give advice to, all of that is, he's, he's building a case for it, very logical case. This is what you've said, it agrees, I've observed the same thing. Um, are the things he says incorrect in his observation? In verse 8 through, he gives, this is what I've observed, are they incorrect? What are they? Like you said, you do bad things. You get bad things. <laughs> OK. Um, I also take your judgment. In other words, if these people, if this group of guys were really the good people they were, they probably didn't associate with the guy yeah, right. Yeah, It it is difficult to to know what's in the heart, and they're making the connection to the heart they're, they're from the, the connection that because something bad happened to you, yeah, well, you must have been bad, right? Yeah, because we've taken that to our time frame. We never say that it's your fault that you've
1: been bad. Now we've changed to where well, there's no God because God doesn't make bad things happen, we've right? It's, it
0: is almost the opposite so conclusion, taken, right? Sort of I said there's no God. Right. There, they're still wanting to believe in a deity. So it's like the manager used them. Right. Got to right. So, so, so someone's got to be blamed for it. Someone's got to be blamed, and and there was somebody to blame. They just didn't really understand everything. Like like I say, we, we kind of have the whole story. Uh, because it's, it's written down for us to understand the whole story, and they're trying to connect dots. Well, you don't always connect the dots in a straight line. Uh, if you do, you might be missing a few dots that you weren't given, and that's the case here. So, they, so they're making some character judgments, absolutely. Um, so there's, there's the flaw of not knowing everything. Uh, that's the first flaw, obviously, that, that they have. Uh, overgeneralizing is another flaw um i think um and I, I believe there's an over-reliance on theoretical things here it, you can get talking have you ever been in one of those conversations where you just it gets more theoretical and metaphysical and pretty soon no one knows what they're talking about and it's like where did we go what are we talking about like, like let's pull this back into something real and practical um yeah exactly Yeah. so um and he does another thing here which is he only cites the evidence that supports his view if there if we could look uh, you know and and go back in time there was plenty of evidence that would not have disagre- not supported his position probably in his own life you suppose anything bad ever happened to this guy? He doesn't think to, you know, he doesn't seem to feel that he's in the wrong, right? We, and that's what, what people tend to do. Um, you know, we just here it's the, the moving goalposts or, you know, uh, kind of a, of a logical fallacy where you just give the evidence that supports your thing. Well, this situation changed. Okay, well then if this and that, and this, this would happen, right? So, Um, So so it's not entirely incorrect, but it's just uh, an imperfect logic that he's using. And we get to this interesting reference to a lion. I I don't want to get into too many specifics, but this is a very interesting one to me. Uh, What is the reference to the lion and why? He says, the old lion, actually, verse 10 and 11, he says, the roaring lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. What in the world does that? I almost wonder if these two guys were in school together. And this was one of the proverbs that their school teacher taught them. Remember that one? You know, I don't know. But or if maybe it was just a common thing back then, you know, it's just a a group of things, or maybe it was just his own creation. I don't know. Um, the Hebrew has five words for lion, and they're all used here. That's kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, so I was reading that. And so uh, the uh, kind of getting a cross-section of different commentaries on it, the, the idea is that he's, he's talking about, he's starting to criticize Job, And this is where he starts to make judgments of maybe theorizing things that Job might have done. We're going to get into that more a little bit later uh, in more specifics. Could the cubs and the young lions be Job's children? It's possible. It's possible. These are all... He's going in this in this section in this in in this speech. He's going to likely reference them at, at a different location, um, but I, I think that's a that as actually an observation I hadn't thought of. But I think you're potentially right. Um, he's talk he, he talks about lions were like a a tyrannical beast, right? They were the they were the thing that hunted. Um, and so there's all these different types of lions there's all these different types of tyrants and, and and the whole idea here is that people that do bad things eventually it catches up with them you know so so uh, so the, the young lions the young tyrants the, the old guys the all the all the different types of bad people eventually meet their doom it, it, it comes on them uh, so um, the first three are the tyrannical lions, right? They're the, the, uh, in verse 10, the roaring lion, the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lions. Those are the up and coming, the ones that would challenge. They would just barely be getting their mane, right? The, their deer teeth are broken off by God, right? They, they think they're doing everything. And it, like, like a, and we've seen that with uh, the kings, you know, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm this king. And it's like, oh yeah, you fell off your chariot how's that working for you? You know, just when you thought that you were the everything, you know, but the last two, the old lion, he perishes for lack of prey. He's, he's defeated all his, he's defeated all his enemies. This is like Alexander the Great. He defeated all his enemies in like seven years and had nothing to do. Like what now? (laughs) And he's dead very shortly thereafter. And of course the young lions, even the, even the cubs, now there's no one to protect them. And it's like all the potential would be tyrants. God just seems to take care of them like eventually. And what did the cubs do to deserve it? Nothing. And I think you get you get into something, right? Your kids didn't do ne- necessarily do anything to deserve it, but you must have. You, you must have been doing something, Job. Um and he's not going to get into specifics yet, but it's just a general idea. He's going to actually, these guys are going to make specific accusations uh, in a little bit. So let's uh, move on to his third, uh, his third evidence, verse 12 through 21. Now a word was secretly brought to me. And my ear received a whisper of it in disquieting thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. A spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up, stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was in front of my eyes. There was silence and I heard a voice saying, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? He puts no trust in his servants. If he charges his angels with error." How much more than those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed in front of a moth? They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding them. Does not their own excellence go away? And they die even without wisdom. What does this appeal to in the opening verse of verse 12? I got a message from God. You can't argue with me. You ever had that one? Like, what do I do now? <laughs> this guy's got God talking to him. How can I argue with him? Right? Uh, I, I had a, I had a dream. And I, this is what God was saying to me. Maybe wasn't, I mean, the theoretical and, and theological things that he says in here, I can't argue with. Right? Can God be, can a man be more pure than his maker? Nope, that's 100% accurate. Um, can a man be more righteous than God? No, no that's that's right up there. I mean, that's it's absolutely true. You don't need a vision from God to tell you that, though. Uh, so, so, so he's appealed to Job, his statements. He's appealed to his observations. And now he's appealing to a vision from God. Boy, that's <laughs> it's kind of hard to top that one. What comes after that? Um so it contains now was it a real vision? How can I tell? God gave them real visions. I don't know. The information in it is correct. Um so I'll never know if from God. What's that? But was it actually a vision from God? Hmm. Yeah, he could use correct information, or was it was it a vision from God? I mean, these back then in the patriarchal age, the fathers were prophets they got visions all the time they were the uh, i don't know that this was it but was it is it a a vision from god that might have been true and he's misapplying it and it was never intended to be used for this particular location i mean we have people preach i mean i believe the scriptures are inspired and i've seen people misuse those too another type of balance right yes I'm saying two things that are correct the third thing. Right, exactly. So therefore that supports you know, the an example from our Stephen Hawking was a brilliant man. Yeah. He was smart. Yeah. But because he was smart, he said there was no government. Right, yeah. So you got first two right, but hey. Yeah, that doesn't mean right. Being smart doesn't mean everything doesn't mean you, you say is smart. right. Right. <laughs> That's correct. So um, so I don't I don't there's not a lot in here because it's mostly him just describing this vision, this dream that he's having. Um it just popped out at me because I, I I don't remember seeing this before, but this is uh one of my favorite um scriptures around dreams and uh, visions and that's kind of thing it's in Job thirty-three. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost like it repeats the what yeah. he says here, which is interesting. You know, God does speak in some ways in a vision of the night where yeah. Know, basically hate life and it's interesting here that he uses some of that same yeah language yeah uh, sometimes God throws our own words back at us <laughs> we didn't intend to uh, sometimes I think that's intentional and that's what that's what I think Job's friends are doing they're throwing some of his own words back at him <laughs> And God might, you know, there might be a thing where God later throws it back at them. Like, remember these things you said a little bit ago? Yeah, have, have them back. Um, here's a new vision for you. <laughs> so um, I do think there's one, uh, again, in this section, there's another interesting note. And it says, it talks about him charging his angels with error. So there is a, a, a concept already Um here, long before we get into the, the New Testament, certainly, uh, of the concept of fallen angels, right? um, of, of angels not, not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, so so it, it, that's stated like a known fact. If he does this, then of course he does this. right? So, so he's using that as a, a fact and as something that they all would recognize. He's, he's appealing to something that they all recognize. So I want to get into chapter 5. Um, because I think this is actually even deeper than the the, the chapter 4. So verse 1 through 7, he says, Call out now, is there anyone who will answer you? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? Again, holy ones probably being angels. Uh, For wrath kills a foolish man, envy slays a simple one, and I've seen the foolish taking root. But suddenly I cursed his dwelling place. His sons are far from safety. They are crushed at the gate and there's no deliverer because the hungry eat his harvest and they take it from the thorns and a snare snatches their substance for affliction does not come from the dust nor does trouble spring from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble just like sparks fly upward. <laughs> um, so what's the, the conclusion of, of this opening What is the idea being expressed in this, uh, this opening? This is, he's set this all up with chapter 4, when he says, hey, uh, we've got some things. He's, he's laid the groundwork. He's built it up. There's your words, my words. God gave me a message. And now we're going to get to what he really wants to say. So now everything I say, you can't argue against it. And what is he open with? Okay, so, so the overall is Job, you're obviously wrong. You've done something wrong. No one's going to answer you. You're crying out to God here. We've been listening to you. But who's going to answer you? Why is no one going to answer him? Because he's sinned. Right, you're in sin. Ain't no one going to listen to you. You've been praying. We've been listening to you complain to God. This has been going on for months. You're getting worse. You've obviously, God's not listening to you. You've probably called out to every type of person up there that you can think of, and no one's listening. There's still a problem. So he makes some general observations. Suffering doesn't just happen. right? It doesn't just happen. that's an incorrect conclusion. (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, There is something we say and it needs to not... I hear this so often and we need to stop saying it. We need to tell tell other people to stop saying it. Everything happens For for a reason. No, it doesn't. You've got good company in Eliphaz when you say that. That's Eliphaz's advice. Nothing happens without a reason. Well, this, not to be argumentative, but eh? just an alternative. Sure. You know, what was happening to Job happened for a reason. It didn't well, it has a cause. Everything yeah. has a yeah. cause. Yeah. Right, there's a lot of cause and effect. But um, there are things that happen because they're a part of life. Uh, There are things, in other words, God didn't necessarily do this to Job. God is doing this to you because um, he wants this to happen. Satan did this. When when people make that statement, they're, they're trying to wrestle with kind of coming to the same conclusion as Eliphaz and saying, God did this to you for a reason. You have to figure out what the reason is. Job's been trying to figure out the reason. He can't. There's no reason. Right. God does this to me without cause. In other words, I didn't, I, God isn't doing this to me because I sinned. God't there, There's nothing here. Now th- again, there's, there's a difference between that and saying, I can gain something from that. Right. We can always gain something from something, but to look at the reason for, right? That's what Eliphaz is saying. Listen, everything happens for a reason, and so therefore we can pin this on you. <laughs> right. That that's so I, I do want to, that, that it's a good observation. There's a lot of cause and effect. Everything happens because of, I mean, cancer happens because something medical or something genetic, or yes, there's a cause for it but there might not be some metaphysical reason why God allowed you to get cancer or just uh, other than just it's a part of life and, and good things happen to the, to the good and the you know evil and rain falls on the just and the unjust and it's just life um, I mean, it's the that you say no I, I agree with that I, I, I agree with believe that it's true. I just don't believe it's helpful for somebody well, to... In, because once they're through it and maybe they've gained something for it then they right. can't see it, but uh, not helpful, is it not necessarily I, I think the more harmful thing is trying to give people this idea and I, I know why people do it they do it because they're trying to help people motivate and God's just doing it but what it ends up doing is is sows doubt when you say well this happened to a reason for a reason now I've got to figure out the reason I must be a bad person. That's where Eliphaz is trying to get Job to. It's kind of the same thing. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Now. It, it's almost—it's it, not—it's not that there isn't a cause for it. It's, uh, right. So, if you believe that God is in control of everything, then right, he it's, 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 it works within that plan. It's—it's trying to—it's—it's—it's it, 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 it's asserting that you know the motive. Right. And yes. reading his mind. Right. So, a reason is a cause with motive. A cause is just a cause. Just a okay. Uh, a, okay. Yeah, I need to make more clear uh, what I'm saying. So um, so suffering doesn't just happen. Um, and uh, he gives, now he gives some specific conjectures. Now he's not, now at this point, he's not accusing Job. He's just saying, for example, for example, I don't know. Uh, what are the, the four examples here? In chapter five, verse one through seven, gives some specifics of things that might just cause somebody to suffer. Hmm. Anger, right? Wrath, foolishness. Maybe you just were foolish, right? And so, so he's. Maybe projecting a little bit think, with the envy one, maybe just a little bit. We do that sometimes. We, we project maybe some feelings and behaviors that we have onto other people. And I wonder if that's going on here. So Eliphaz then gives him some advice. What's his advice? Uh, um, verse eight. What's his advice? If I were you, I would just seek God. What do you think Job has been doing? And this is contradictory. This is a contradictory statement of Eliphaz. Because he's just he's just noted, listen, no one's listening to you. You've been appealing to all these people up there. Anybody? Yeah. 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 Maybe you need to. Abo- now, what is what is what is a little bit ironic, maybe in this, because he's saying you. Maybe you're ignorant of these things. Maybe you need to to ask God to forgive you for what's what. What have we learned about Job in the the opening about Job? What do we know about Job? Job has already done, been there, done that by the time they got there. I'll guarantee you Job has already done some, like, God, I don't know. I, I I'm. That's already been taken care of. And I don't know if you've ever had somebody kind of ignorantly accuse you of something. Like, like they, they can read your mind and, and know where you're, and you're like, you're so dumb. Is is the thought that goes through your head you don't want to say that? But i like, what do you think I've, do you, <laughs> Where do you think I've been already? You know, you just come in and, oh, hey, we've got the solution for you. Um, so I think that's where they are. So verse 9 through 16. Um, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number? He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields, and he sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn, who are, are, are lifted to safety. He frustrates the devices of the crafty, so that their hands Cannot carry out their plans. He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the cunning comes quickly on them. They meet with darkness in the daytime, and grope at noontime as in the night. And he gives needy, uh, saves the needy from the sword and from the mouth of the mighty, uh, and from their hand, so that the poor have hope. And injustice shuts her mouth. And so, what is he? What's he doing here? Just things don't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that you you're experiencing calamity, you weren't Yeah. Somewhat. Okay. So there's there's that that first thing. Wait, I think he's also saying God already knows it. Okay, so he's a he's he's giving this encouragement based on God. This is this is the God who we come to, and you and I both have the same idea of God, I'm sure. That they they would kind of have the same ideas, same assumptions about God. Good things come from Him, right? That's a true statement, right? That I mean, you can find that in the New Testament. uh, The Father of Lights, from whom you know all these things come. But He also flips that; His justice comes from God too. The bad stuff comes from God, right? Punishment comes from God. Um. There are, there are different elements of justice. What, what elements of justice, not just the punishment side, what, what other elements of justice come from God? Discipline. Talks about discovery, doesn't he? He catches the wise in their own craftiness. Um, so futility, you, you make your plans, God says, nope, right, that happens, failure comes from God, if you're opposed to what he's trying to accomplish, so those are all true, um, he makes no wrong assumptions in his generalities, but he just makes some wrong assumptions again, and in, in, in how far he takes it, he assumes that God universally applies these and that every situation is an indication of what God is doing. And the other wrong thing that he, when he says, well, God frustrates the, the plans of the wicked, what, he's, he makes a wrong assumption there. What other assumption does he make that's wrong? Maybe an assumption that we wish God did. Does that always happen? Even when it does happen, it doesn't always happen when we want it. Right? He makes the assumption that, that this is immediate. And like, I don't know why God's timeline is God's timeline, but sometimes God's timeline is a little bit protracted from mine. Almost done here. Verse 17 through 26, he says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, he binds up, he wounds, but his hands make whole. He will deliver you six troubles, and yet in seven no evil will touch you. In famine he will redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword you will be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you will not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. You will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth, for you have had a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is in peace. You will visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. You will know that your descendants will be many. Your offspring like the grass of the earth, and you will come to the grave at full age, like a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Behold, this we've searched out. We'll just do verse 27. It is true. Hear and know for yourself. So he then moves into an encouragement to follow his prescription that he had back in verse eight, seek God. Here's why you should do this. Here's the positive side. He's given kind of the negatives and then he's gonna conclude with the positives, right? Kind of that sandwich theory. So he started off complimentary and then he's gonna close very complimentary. Although even in here, there's some kind of subtle shots at Job, if you can find them. Um, But uh, pain is temporary. God will fix it. That's true. God is going to fix it. Yeah. Right. When, when pain yet when pain gets fixed, sometimes it hurts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Not in the moment, not in the moment, not in the moment. Um, Yeah. There's something that's informing that, right? And it's interesting because it's almost in, it's almost indicative of the of the Jewish mentality of where they, they they looked at things in the physical sense, you know, instead of the spiritual sense. Because everything he said was true, mm-hmm. if it were to apply it spiritually. Yeah. But he's yeah, that's by, true. That's true. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Spiritual principles don't always work physically, and vice versa. That's true. Um, so he gives some specific evils in here. And what are his specific evils that he mentions? God will save you from these evil things. What ones? Famine. Famine. Yep. Sword. Wild animals. Theft. Like forces of nature. These are all things that happened to Job. People stole his camels. Forces of nature came down and burnt his crops. Um, is, he's, a, he's, he's essentially saying all the stuff that happened to you, God doesn't let that happen to good people. I mean, this is, now think about where he goes next. He says, uh, you'll have all the offspring in the world. What, what does Job not have the ability to have right now? Descendants. They're gone. Their children are gone. That means no grandkids. He just took a major shot at Job. <laughs> and this is how we know Job's character, because if it was me, I would have flat-out punched him right there. <laughs> I was like, we're done with this conversation. Like, uh, you can talk about my suffering, but you just said, I know you're, I know you're bad because your kids are dead. <laughs> that's That's hard. Uh, and then to his longevity, and this is where we close. He said, "You'll you'll live a full age. I wonder if if they thought that he had a terminal illness. You're, you'll live long. You just got to do this thing. So, and so his final appeal is: Listen, we we've, we've been thinking about this. We've searched this out. This is what we three guys have come up with. That's this final appeal. We we agree. The majority agrees. <laughs> it's just you against us so we're right so and always watch out for the appeal to the majority so all right we're done here we'll pick it up in chapter 6 next week